Planning for your financial future is a lot like solving a puzzle. Sometimes it's simple, like a jigsaw puzzle. You have all the pieces and you just need to find out how they all fit together to reveal the solution. But sometimes planning for retirement is more like a crossword puzzle. You don't even know the answers to some of the clues, let alone how they all fit together. Like how much can I expect to get from Social Security? How much income do I need in retirement? Or how much risk is appropriate? That's why certified financial planner Dan Capril is here to host Solving the Financial Puzzle. On today's show, we want you to learn more about finding the right answers to your financial questions and how those answers can fit together to bring you more peace of mind. So get ready. Solving the Financial Puzzle starts now. Thanks for joining us today on Solving the Financial Puzzle. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Dan Capril, who is your local wealth coach here in Cincinnati, Dayton, and the surrounding communities. Dan is a certified financial planner and the president of Matson and Capril. You can find out all sorts of great information about Dan and the team, online classes, uh, information about upcoming events, so much great information online at quizdan.com. Again, that's quizdan.com. And go ahead and write down the phone number or just log it in your memory bank. It's pretty easy to remember. 844-QUIZ-DAN, in case you want to call in and have a conversation with Dan and his team. 844-QUIZ-DAN. Dan, thanks for being here this week. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I uh, had the great pleasure of going to New Orleans last week. And for you pre-Mardi. survived and made it well, back. I went, I well, went, I went pre-Mardi Gras. I mean, I went pre-Fat Tuesday. But let me tell you, it gets crazy over the weekend. Even as well, the lead-up has uh, to be pretty wild. Oh, it is. No, it's it's totally nuts. If you, especially if you go on Bourbon Street. If you go on the, some of the side streets, it's a little bit more reasonable. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it's nuts. Clearly, at age 54, I'm a little too old for that type of thing. But it was a nice thing to do. I've never done it. And um, we had a couple of friends who are from that area. So it's always nice when you're going somewhere new with someone who lives there. They can show you the ropes. Oh, yeah. That's the best um, way to do it. But, yeah. But great, great, fabulous city for our listeners down there. If you've never been to Mardi Gras, again, kind of like Quebec City in that you get this different culture within the United mm-hmm. States. Um, it's in many ways, as you walk the streets, you feel like you're going back in time. Uh, just the architecture alone is beautiful. And of course, the food, as you can imagine, is fabulous. So, you know, if you're into fine dining and that type of a thing, if you enjoy shopping, um, culture, et cetera, great, great town for that. You know, there's no there's no beach, there's a river, and there's no mountains. <laughs> but um, but really, um, I probably wouldn't want to go there in August. But at least uh, if you want to get there in the spring, go to the Jazz Festival or something like that. Fabulous place. And was this your first time having crawfish or had you had crawfish before? You know, I think I probably had it once mm-hmm. before, but I, I actually made a point to try everything that was local. So I had a lot of crawfish. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, uh, we have some friends who uh, will have a huge crawfish party once a year. It's, mm. the, it's their thing, and so they'll invite yeah. everybody over, and they get like 10 pounds of crawfish shipped in from yeah. New Orleans. And then they, they do it just kind of like a crab boil, you know, with the sausage and the potatoes and shrimp sure. and all sorts of stuff. But then the, the crawfish is the centerpiece and they just, they cook it all up and then they have a big table that they set up in the middle of their living room and then just, you know, put down a whole bunch of newspaper and just dump buckets and buckets of, of crawfish and we just go to town. It's not my favorite, but it's it's a fun event to do, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely sloppy eating, though. That's it for is. Sure. Yes, yeah. It's, there's no, there's no fanciness about it. That's for sure. Well, we've got lots of good things to talk about on today's show with Dan Capril, and uh, coming up, we'll also have Nick Rosenbauer of the Rosenbauer Law Office join us to give us some great details on what makes 
a good estate plan. And so we'll detail those things for you. We'll have a great story on Tales from the Tax Side with Dan a little bit later on. And we'll talk about 401ks and the fact that, you know, a lot of the times a 401k might not actually be right for you. Even though it seems like everybody's got a 401k, we'll identify some of the times where it might not be a very good fit for you or someone you know. All that on the way on today's show. But if you want to submit a question to be featured on the show, we'll invite you to go to quizdan.com and, well, quiz Dan. There's a form right there on the website that you can fill out and uh, possibly get your question featured on the air. And we have one here from Tom in Centerville to get us started out this week, Dan. Tom says, we're considering putting an addition on our home. Is it better to use a home equity line to fund this, or should I withdraw money from a 401k? Tom, I get this question a lot. It's almost like, should I dip into my 401k? And it's not just for houses. I've seen it for cars. I've seen it for vacations, et cetera. All right, so let's be clear. Assuming you're still working, Tom, you can't really dip into the 401k if you're talking about your current company plan. What you can do is take a loan against it. I'm not a big fan of that, though, because first of all, whatever you borrow from your 401k, that's going to get collateralized into a fixed income account. So essentially, you're probably not going to get any growth on that money until you pay it back. Secondly, you have to pay it back with after-tax dollars. So if you, if let's say, for example, you borrow $20,000, you're probably going to have to earn twenty five, twenty six thousand at least in order to pay that money back. So there, there's a few things that are wrong with that approach. Now, if you're going to take a straight withdrawal from the 401k, remember also that that money is taxed. So if you're already retired and the money's just sitting with your employer and the, the 401k plan, that money is taxed as it gets sent to you. So very expensive. By contrast, if you were to use a home equity loan, uh, let's talk about the upsides and downsides. The, the upside, the interest rate that they tend to charge is low. And um, it's tax deductible in most cases. So it's not even going to cost you what you think it's going to cost. So rather than you paying tax on your withdrawal, you're actually going to get a tax deduction on the money that you pay back. Now, what's the downside? Well, the downside is that the interest rate for most home equity loans fluctuates month to month. It's a floating rate. So it could be a situation where if we go into a high interest rate environment where you might find servicing that debt to be cost prohibitive. Overall, I would generally recommend you use home equity for home improvement. Um, I'm not a big fan of houses as an investment to begin with. So the last thing I really want to do is use my investment money to put money into the house. Yeah, you can get some return, but usually it's not significant. So if you have the home equity line provided, you can, you can afford to service the debt. Yeah, I have no problems using that. Just again, understand though, that that's an interest rate that's not locked in. So you should have a plan for paying the money back if you could decide to go that route. It's a good question, Tom. And like Dan said, a lot of people ask uh, that question or something along those lines very similar. And it takes some navigating, it takes some decision-making for sure to get to the right choice. And it's a good question to ask. Let's get another one here from Catherine in Loveland. Catherine says, for decades, I've had laddered CDs so that I have one maturing every single year. But with interest rates so low, I'm wondering if I have too much money in the bank. How much is too much? Well, in general, Catherine, I would tell you three to six months of living expenses for most people seems to be adequate. The whole idea here is to have some reserves, have some money that you could tap into without having to go into debt, having to borrow. So if, you know, if that means an appliance goes out on you or you have a car repair that's not covered, 
that you're not in a, in a difficult situation. You have the money that you can go ahead and pay it. You don't have to rely on credit cards. The problem with, with cash reserves, though, in general, as you know, is that you're not going to get paid a lot of money. Now, you're not going to get paid a negative rate of return. So I think, you know, so obviously that's a positive thing, but you're not going to make a high rate of return. So if you find yourself having more than six months of cash, you know, some people will say that, you know, I'm doing that to keep my money safe. But again, I would argue that in many ways, what you're doing is you're going broke safely because the interest that you get is very low. It's less than inflation. And the other thing too is that the interest that you get is taxable. So you're not making, you know, you may think you're making 1%, which obviously is not a lot of money, but you're really not even making 1% because you got to pay tax on that money. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think anything more than six months is, is needed for most people. If you're self-employed, eh, I could see maybe having a year's worth in that case if you think your income is going to fluctuate. But beyond that, I would keep it around the six-month level. Great question, Catherine. Thank you for that one as well. We're talking with Dan Capril here on Solving the Financial Puzzle. He's your local wealth coach in Cincinnati, Dayton, and the surrounding communities. Offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, and in northern Kentucky as well. 844-QUIZ-DAN, your number to call to reach out to Dan and the team if you want to discuss your particular financial situation. That's 844-784-9326 or simply 844 844- quiz dan we also take your questions on quizdan.com. one more here from susan in white oak susan says i've always heard people talk about the importance of life insurance but i never fully grasped the importance of it until my husband died unexpectedly last month at the age of 61 and i got a check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars almost immediately it's very comforting to know the money is there but i don't know what to do with it what do you suggest well, first of all, you know, Susan, my, my condolences to you. But I think what you've just demonstrated here is while a lot of times we view life insurance as something we should get rid of as we get older, clearly, you know, I, I've never met a widow who was saddened by the fact that she got a life insurance benefit. So you just got a tax-free benefit paid out. As far as what you should do with it, I mean, that that's a very difficult thing to, for me to say here on, on the radio. Obviously, what you're going to need is to take a look at your entire situation, and we're going to have to decide how much of this $250,000 is going to be needed for income for you. If your husband was still working, obviously, there might have been a loss of income there, and this $250,000 might need to be um, utilized to replace that. So keep this in mind for all of our listeners out there that the primary purpose, the reason why most people buy life insurance is to replace earnings. And so as long as you're working, you're looking to have a lump sum of money that should you die, like in the case of Susan's husband, that could then be utilized to replace that income stream for at least the number of years that you had planned to work. As far as how it should be invested, again, difficult to say, but I think what we're seeing here is the purpose. So the first thing I would tell you, Susan, is naturally, I would be more than happy to talk to you off the radio so I can give you some personal advice because it's very hard to do based on what you've just shared with me. So 844-QUIZ-DAN, if you want to give our office a call, I'll call you back on Monday and you know we'll touch base and I'll try to give you some advice there. But the other thing I don't want people to see here is again, the role that life insurance can play going forward. And uh, we talk about this a lot in our book uh, called Retirement Rescue, that the role life insurance can play even when you don't expect it to, to be a factor at this point in your life. Not only is there the death benefit, of course, but if it's a permanent policy, the cash value can be used and can create a tax-free income stream. Some policies will also have a long-term care provision. So if you find yourself in a position of needing long-term care insurance, many policies today have a death benefit 
provision that allows you to access the long-term care now. I should call it a long-term care provision uh, that you can access that money now and you can use it um, for long-term care. So what I would suggest everybody do, if you if you don't have a copy of our book, in fact, if you don't have a copy of our Retirement Rescue Toolkit, which is a box of, you know, with all humility, really good information that you should have. There's, in addition to uh, the book, Retirement Rescue, there's also an audio piece that I did in there called Tax for Retirement, a couple of other free reports, et cetera. There's also an online course that everybody who orders the course or orders the uh, the kit will, will receive access to the online course called Retirement Rescue, uh, Diffusing the Ticking Tax Time Bomb. So all this really good information, if you don't have it, I strongly recommend all our listeners get it. Very simple to get it. Either text the word retire to 555-888. Again, the word retire to triple five triple eight. And when you do that, you're going to get a link back from me. And you want to click on the link because when you do that, then a little page will pop up. You got to enter your information. If you don't enter your information, I can send you the toolkit. But again, if you're concerned about issues surrounding retirement, we talk a lot about the taxes in retirement and how to, how to minimize them. If you're concerned about market volatility, the effect of long-term care on you, etc. This is a very useful toolkit with a lot of good information. So take the time right now, pull the car over, text the word retire to 555-888. Get a copy of the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. You can also get it by calling our office, 844-QUIZ-DAN. You're going to get a recording, this being Saturday night, but just go ahead, leave your information on there. Beth on Monday will get in touch with you. We'll get the kit out to you. You can also go to my website, quizdan.com. Click on the big button that says quizdan. Tell us where to send the kit to, and we'll get it out to you. So get the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. A lot of great information addresses a lot of the questions that we just answered previously. Again, that's the Retirement Rescue Toolkit from Dan Capril and his team at Matson and Capril, serving you in Cincinnati, Dayton, and the surrounding areas. Text the word RETIRE to 555-888. What will happen is we'll send you that link. Click on the link and fill out your information so that we know where to send that Retirement Rescue Toolkit, and it'll be on its way to you. Takes 15 to 20 seconds to do all that. Really doesn't take long at all. Again, just text the word RETIRE retire to the number 555-888. You can also call, and especially if you don't have a smartphone, you'll want to call and request the toolkit as well. People do that every week, so it's no big deal. 844-QUIZ-DAN is that number, and you can request the toolkit over the phone very easily. 844-QUIZ-DAN. 844-784-9326 is that number. Get the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Great resource that is free and available to you here on Solving the Financial Puzzle. Stay with us. Much more coming up on the show. We'll talk about 401ks when we come back here on Solving the Financial Puzzle with Dan Caprim. Erno Rubik, the creator of the famous Rubik's Cube, once said, A good puzzle, it's a fair thing. Nobody is lying. It's very clear. And the problem depends just on you. That's a nice thought. Too bad the financial world isn't as simple. As you prepare for retirement and the rest of your financial future, there are a lot more problems to deal with than just yourself. You have outside factors constantly varying and changing the landscape. People do lie, cheat, and deceive. You have access to tons of information, yet not a great way to discern what motivations drive that information. It can all get very, very complex. But that's why Dan Capril, your host of Solving the Financial Puzzle, is here. Dan and his team at Matson and Capril will help you solve your financial puzzle to put you in a position to get to and all the way through retirement. Just call 844-784-9326. That's 844-784-9326 to set up a time to meet. 
You don't have to solve the entire financial puzzle on your own, but you do have to be the one who starts the solution. And it starts with a phone call to 844-784-9326. That's 844-784-9326. 844-QUIZ-DAN. Dan Capril has been helping investors for more than 20 years. He's given more than 100 financial seminars, and in his spare time, he's active in the fight against poverty in the Cincinnati community. Keep listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle if there's a financial problem of your own that you need help solving. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle, the show that helps you put together all those different pieces of your financial life in a way that makes sense, in a way that develops a plan that's going to give you more peace of mind and and more understanding about how and why you're investing the way you invest. Dan Capril breaks it down for us each and every week here on the show. He's your local wealth coach right here in Cincinnati, serving you in Dayton and all the surrounding communities as well. Dan has offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, and in northern Kentucky as well. Well, if you want to get in touch, you can pick up the phone and call 844-QUIZ-DAN at any time. That's 844-QUIZ-DAN, and you can also go online to quizdan.com. Dan, I think in many cases, you know, your 401k can be your best investment vehicle. It has a few things that you know might make that statement a bit dependent on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in other cases, it might not be the best place to put your money or to keep your money. I'll throw that caveat in there. Walk right, us right. through some of the situations where a 401k, although very, very common amongst investors, might not be the best fit. Well, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about on this show is the fact that most baby boomers are 401k heavy. If it's not money, it's not a 401k then it's in a rollover IRA, the money that they took over from a uh, previous employer and they just roll it to an IRA. Now, the, the, the issue here is the fact that that money has never been taxed. So if you're going to need to utilize that money at any time, you're going to pay taxes on that money. Now, the general assumption I think we all make is that we're going to put the money in during our working years when our tax rate is high and we're going to pull it out later and pay the tax during retirement when our tax rate is low. The problem with that assumption is you don't know that's going to be the case. And the other problem with that assumption is most people fail to recognize that the money that they pull out of their 401k for most people will be the defining factor as to whether or not they will pay taxes on their social security benefits, which, you know, if you think about it, when you're putting money into social security, you're not allowed to deduct that money from your taxes. And now about a third of all people, when they're receiving money from social security, they have to pay tax on that as well. So there's some serious issues with being 401k heavy. Now, just to give you a couple of other insights, um, you know, if you don't have an emergency fund, Getting money from your 401k is not a great way to deal with emergencies. Again, the money's taxed. If you're still working for the company, the only way you can have access to it is through a loan. And as I was saying previously, the problem with the loan is that as soon as you do that now, part of your portfolio equal to the loan is being basically collateralized. It's being put in a fixed income account and you're earning just a a low interest rate on that money until you pay it back. So that's not a desirable um, maneuver at all. And of course, if you don't pay the loan back, then you're going to be subjected to to paying taxes on it. So not a great vehicle for that. You're much better off, in my opinion, putting less money into the 401k. Just at least put in what the match is. 
and then start building up your cash reserves on your side. Now, if your employer doesn't have a matching contribution, some people would even say maybe you shouldn't put money in a 401k at all. Look, I like the fact that you get a tax deduction. I just don't want the 401k to get too big. Now, very often I'll meet a couple in their 50s and they've got well over a half a million dollars sitting in that 401k account. And that might be an indicator that it's getting too big because, again, when they get to retirement age, they're not only have to pay taxes on that, it's going to affect whether or not their Social Security benefits get taxed. So sometimes if there is no employer contributions, that might actually be a reason to put less in the 401k. It might be a reason not to put any in the 401k. It might be a good reason, if you can, to put money instead in a Roth IRA. Or if your 401k has a Roth provision, putting money in that provision. Now, in that case, you're going to pay the tax on the money going in, but you won't pay any of the, um, the tax on the money coming out. If you've got a lot of debt, to me, you're better off getting rid of the debt first before building up the 401k balance. The fact of the matter is that interest on a lot of debt, particularly if it's credit card debt, could be running 20, 25%. Your 401k is not likely to get you that rate of return each and every year, not the way debt works. So by lowering our debt, we're actually increasing our net worth. Once you've gotten to that habit of killing off the debt, now you've gotten this habit of, of putting money into something. Fine, now instead of putting it towards paying off your debt, move it towards um, building up your savings, put it in the 401k. Now, when I say debt, I'm talking things like credit card debt. I would not consider mortgage debt to be that issue simply because for most people, their mortgage rates are relatively low. They're much lower than what their credit card interest rate is going to be. But we want to get those paid off before we be too concerned about building up the 401k balance. This is particularly true for younger people. I said previously before that you know if you have a concern that tax rates could rise in the future, as I do, then having all your money sitting in that 401k may not be logical. It may make sense to have a balance between money that's taxed later, which is what a 401k is, and money that's taxed never, which is what I say a Roth IRA is or a Roth 401k or even life insurance cash value. Having that balance is going to protect you in case rates rise in the future. I know right now the current administration is talking about rate reductions, and I think that's great. But as we both know, the pendulum swings both ways. And when you look at the demographics that drive this country, the fact that we are getting older and older as a society, you have to be mindful of the possibility of having rates go up to pay for things like Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid. Now, the president right now is saying he's not going to touch those things. I'm just kind of wondering where he's going to get the money from. We'll, we'll, we'll be interested and see how that works. Now, keep in mind that when you leave an employer, you should take your 401k money with you, in my opinion. You can roll it over to an IRA. Now, of course, if your new employer doesn't have a 401k, you're not going to be able to contribute to the old employer's 401k. And the 401k is a company-specific benefit plan. If your current employer doesn't have that kind of a plan, well, you can still do things with IRAs and stuff like that. Not as generous, but you still have that option. What I just want all of our listeners to understand is that there's a need for balance. Money gets taxed three ways. Tax now, tax later, tax never. Tax now is when you get a 1099 from your portfolio. Tax later is what the 401k is. You're kicking the can down the road. The question is, is that going to be a good idea? 
you know, what happens if the government decides to increase required minimum distribution percentages? That's a very simple way for them to get a tax increase without technically raising your taxes, forcing you to pull more money out. What is going to be the impact of our savings on our social security benefits? Might it make more sense to have some money repositioned to a tax-free account like a Roth conversion? It's a little tricky. You got to do the math. There's tax implications involved, but might that be a good idea? Now, to help our listeners with this, we've created a toolkit specifically designed to address these and several other issues facing you during retirement. It's called the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Now, in that toolkit, you'll get a copy of my book, Retirement Rescue. There's also an audio CD. There's a couple of free reports. And you also get enrolled into our online course called Defusing the Ticking Tax Time Bomb. I strongly recommend if any of these issues that I've raised um, affect you, get this information. You're going to need to understand what you're faced with because this is an issue that's not going to go away. And as I look at your average baby boomer who's so heavily positioned in things like their 401k, I get concerned that there's a lack of balance there. So to get it, very simple, text the word retire to 555-888. Again, the word retire to 555-888. Now, when you do that, you're going to get back from me immediately a link that you need to click on. Click on the link, enter your information. When you do that, then we're going to send the kit out to you. This is a physical kit that we're going to mail out to you. Also, if you'd like, you can, you can go online, go to quizdan.com. You can order it that way. Or you can also uh, give our office a call, 844-QUIZ-DAN. Now, if you do it tonight, you're going to get a message. So leave the recording. On the recording, leave where to ship it to. We'll get it out to you as well. You do need to give us your email address, though, so we can send you the online course diffusing the ticking text time bomb. So again, text the word retire to 555-888. We'll get you the retirement rescue toolkit that's going to address this issue about why being too top-heavy in 401ks could be problematic for you. Again, this is the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Great resources inside that toolkit. Dan's book, a little fun little stress ball you can squeeze, As uh, although you won't really need the stress ball after you read the toolkit. It's just while you're starting exactly. out the toolkit, while you're already stressed out. But then by the time you read that toolkit, you're going to realize, oh, I'm on my way to a, a more peaceful retirement, a more peaceful financial future, and you can give the stress ball to somebody else. It'll be a chance for you to gift it away uh, to somebody else. Uh, that's in the Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Lots of other good resources in there as well. You also get exclusive invites to upcoming events that Dan and his team will have here in the area. You can get all that information in your fingertips by texting the word RETIRE to the number 555-888. Again, that's 555-888. Text the word RETIRE and Dan will be able to uh, get that toolkit out to you when you click on the link and fill out the information. If you don't have a smartphone but would still like the toolkit, just give a call instead. 844-QUIZ-DAN is that number. 844-784-9326. Again, that's 844-QUIZ-DAN. More coming up on today's show. Up next, Nick Rosenbauer jumps into the studio to talk to us about some of the important decisions you need to make when it comes to estate planning and how to build a solid foundation with your estate plan. All that and more still tales from the tax side around the corner as well. Coming up right here on Solving the Financial Puzzle with Dan Capri. 
If your retirement plan looks like a complicated jigsaw puzzle, keep listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. We'll make sure you see a clearer picture. Thanks so much for joining us on Solving the Financial Puzzle today. Walter Storholt here with you, and we've booted Dan out of the studio for the next couple of minutes, and we're welcoming back in our friend Nick Rosenbauer from Rosenbauer Law Office to join us to talk about some more issues surrounding estate planning. We uh, started this great feature last week and got some really good information and insight into the estate planning world, and we're going to delve in a little bit deeper again this week. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Great to have you here with us. Thanks for having me, Walt. I appreciate it. Looking forward to your insight today because I think, Nick, a lot of times people just aren't really sure what makes a good estate plan. And I'm also sure that people just, you know, they're going to need that customized advice. Just like Dan would provide customized financial advice for somebody, you are going to provide customized estate planning advice. But I'm sure that there are a few things that have, uh, that every good estate plan is going to have. So in your opinion, what are some of the essentials? Walk us through kind of uh, at least the base of what every good estate plan needs to have contained in it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And obviously, everyone's situation is different. And, you know, as I said last week, the, the canned form-based documents don't work for everyone. Everyone needs uh, something specific to their own circumstances. But there are five things that I think every estate plan needs, whether you just turned 18, you don't have any money, and you're a freshman in college, or whether you're an 80-year-old multimillionaire. And the first one of those is a healthcare power of attorney. And what the healthcare power of attorney does is it allows someone to make medical decisions for you if you cannot do so yourself, if you're incapacitated or something like that to where you can otherwise not you cannot speak for yourself. It allows them basically to step into your shoes. And see, the thing with that is at some point, everyone may need this. And if you don't have one of these healthcare power of attorneys, there's not a default person that can just take over. There's a lot of people who say, you know, I ask them if they have a healthcare power of attorney, they say, no, but my wife can do that for me, but my husband can do that for me. Well, I don't know why people seem to think this, but just because you have a spouse or if you're a young person, I want my mom to do that. Well, that's great. But if you don't have the legal document in place and done the right way, there's no default person who, absent any documents, is just allowed to make that decision for you. So if you don't have a health care power of attorney, you actually have to get someone appointed as your guardian. And to do that, you have to go to a probate court and get a judge's permission, and that usually requires hiring a lawyer to do so, and everything's public record. And, you know, if someone's on the middle of the operating table, you don't really have time to do something like that. So it's good to have a healthcare power of attorney in place, and I don't care if you're 18 or 88, that's the first thing you need. The second thing you need, and this goes hand-in-hand with your health care power of attorney, it's called a living will, or some states, I know Kentucky's a state that calls it an advanced health care directive. And this is very similar to your health care power of attorney, but instead of appointing someone to make decisions for you, what it does is it allows you to specifically write down your intent, your affirmative decisions on some end of life scenarios. So if you are in a vegetative state, if you're, you know, if you're brain dead and you're on the IV in the feeding tube, mm-hmm. the living will is a place where you can say, 
if I'm basically being kept alive by machines, I, I'd like to die naturally, go ahead and remove the IV and the feeding tube. Do you remember that Terry Schiavo Oh, sure. Case? Made huge news, um, yeah. And basically what I tell people is if Terry Schiavo had a living will, you wouldn't know who Terry Schiavo was. If I remember correctly, I think the husband said, I talked to my wife and she doesn't want to be kept alive like this. And I think the parents were saying, don't kill my daughter. And, and there's no wrong answer there. It just, yeah. it, it was awful. And so having that living will prevents that sort of situation. And on top of that, even if you know your family's wishes, um, you know, I know my parents' wishes, the last thing I want is for them to come to me and say, Mr. Rosenbauer, there's nothing else we can do for your mother. Would you like us to let her go or pull the plug? I would much rather be able to hand them a document that my mother signed affirmatively saying, this is what I want, as opposed to them coming to me and I have to make that decision. So that's the living will, also known as the advanced health care directive. The third item that every plan needs is a property power of attorney. Some people call it a financial power of attorney. You may have heard the term durable power of attorney, and they all pretty much mean the same thing. And this is similar to your healthcare power of attorney, except it allows someone to step into your shoes and make financial and legal decisions for you if you cannot do so yourself. So this would be the person who pays bills for you, uh, signs your checks, they need to buy or sell a car, sell your house, they need to call and shut off the cable or shut off the internet, something like that. So they make all these decisions for you if you can't make them for yourself other than medical decisions. And just like we talked about with the healthcare power of attorney, if this is something you don't have in place, then Someone needs to get a judge's permission, unfortunately, to make these decisions for you. And they need to be appointed a conservator to manage your finances. And again, like before we talked about, you're going to need to hire a lawyer for that. You're going to have to wait on a judge. And it's not something that, uh, that you can do very easily. And it's a miserable experience. So having a financial power of attorney allows you to do that. Now, one thing I'd like to point out that I have heard a lot of people uh, misunderstand about these financial power of attorneys, and also with the healthcare power of attorney as well, they end when someone passes away. I've heard people say, well, I'm mom's power of attorney, so I, I got into her checking account and paid the funeral bill or something like that. Well, you can't do that. Once someone passes away, these documents do not matter anymore because think of it this way. If you are allowed to step into someone's shoes and make all the decisions that they could make themselves, well, th this sounds kind of cold-hearted almost, but a dead person can't sign a check. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> so once someone passes away, both of these documents are the healthcare power of attorney and the property power of attorney are null and void. They, they don't matter anymore. So that's the third one. The fourth item, the fourth piece that I think every good estate plan needs, and this is something that actually a lot of attorneys even miss. I've seen a lot of people who come in with plans from other attorneys or from the internet or a CD, you get something like that. And a lot of plans don't have this, and it's a HIPAA release. Um, once the HIPAA laws were enacted years ago, it protected your health care information. And 
you know, with that, and it's good to have privacy laws. I get that, but the HIPAA release allows and authorizes the doctors, hospitals, whoever your medical providers are, to release your otherwise private and protected health care information to certain people. Now, who would those people be? Family members, obviously. If I found out that yesterday that my father was in the hospital, I can't just call the hospital and say, what's going on with my dad? They're going to say, well, that's private information. You know, has your father signed a HIPAA release? So it's good to have that so your spouse, your loved ones, your family can get information on you, especially if they are not all local, if someone lives across the country. And even more importantly, your financial and healthcare power of attorney agents, if they need to step in and make decisions for you, well, they really can't do that and they really can't assess your capacity if they can't get medical information on you. So that's another thing that HIPAA release needs to specifically authorize those fiduciaries who are supposed to make medical and financial legal decisions for you, they need to be able to access that information just so they can find out whether or not they're supposed to be acting or if you're still competent to act on your own. And then the last item, which I think this is the one that everyone would realize and probably came to their mind when we talked about what are the important pieces that every plan needs to have regardless of circumstances, and that is some sort of testamentary document. And that can be a will, it could be a living trust, either one of those would work. A testamentary document just means something. So we need something that says what happens to your estate and all of your assets when you die. Okay, And and like I said last week, everyone's going to die at some point. And I think everyone would much prefer to have their own wishes determine what happens with their estate. Everyone wants to be able to write their own instruction manual, write the, the playbook for their nest egg, if you will, as opposed to having the court decide. Now, each state, Ohio included, has their own default language for someone who doesn't have a testamentary document, whether it's a will or trust, and that's by necessity because, unfortunately, over 50% of adults don't have a testamentary document, but it's not that great, and I don't know about you, but I'd much rather choose what happens to my assets than let the state of Ohio figure it out. <laughs> so. I, I, I imagine there's a lot of hands raised uh, out, out there as you say that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure everyone's nodding in the car yeah. uh, as they're listening to this. So there's, like I said, there's different ways to do that. I personally think trusts work better in most situations, not all situations, though. But you need something. Sometimes a will is just fine for people. Sometimes a trust can do better. Um, but regardless, you need one of the two. You need something that says, this is what happens to my estate when I pass away, and this is the person that is in charge of wrapping things up. So, you know, the healthcare power of attorney, the living will or advanced directive, the financial or property power of attorney, the HIPAA release, and then some sort of testamentary document. Regardless of your situation, I don't care how old you are, how much your net worth is, those are the five things that I think every person who is of age 18 needs. 
So those are some of the the top estate planning things that make up a a good estate plan. But I think it's important to also underscore here, Nick, that you know, although that's a lot of information and that seems like a lot of documents and that seems like a lot of ground covered, we're just talking about the base here. And there's still a lot that goes into having you know a great estate plan in place. There's still more customization that happens after you get sort of that base formed. Yeah, you're you're exactly right there, and this is where having a good estate planning attorney who focuses in this area and knows what they're talking about. This is where that good legal advice from an experienced, knowledgeable professional comes in because, you know, anyone can give you these five documents and it's good to have a will, it's good to have a trust, but without someone there to guide you through that, just because you have a trust doesn't mean you have a good one. Or just because you have a will and a property power of attorney doesn't mean you have a good one. And it doesn't mean you've named the right people to do the right thing. So, you know, you have these people who get something online, do it themselves. And I get it. Like we talked about last week, it's a do-it-yourself age. And when it comes to car repairs, fixing my washing machine, things like that, I'm as guilty as the next person at trying to do things myself. I get that. But for something like this, with, you know, the problems and the the risks so high, if you mess this up, this is where you really need someone who is an expert, a good, solid professional to give you some good advice. Because, like I said, these are the five pieces that you need, but that doesn't necessarily mean everyone's power of attorney is going to be the same. doesn't mean everyone's will is going to be the same. And, you know, personally, every trust I've done is different because I've never done two, I've never met two people who are exactly the same. So yes, these pieces, like I said, you need to have all five of them. But you know, like you said before, as far as customization goes, it's even better to have a trust that was written specifically for you and not a form-based document that hundreds of people out there have or something like that. Or even worse, if you go to some of these you know, discount or general practice attorneys. I've actually heard stories of people, they create these fillable forms in Microsoft Word, and all they do is tab through and switch out the names from the last person they did the trust for. And then it it, it happens. And they they switch out the names of the, the people making the trust and the kids, and that's about it. And then other than that, you have the exact same document as the last 10 clients they dealt with have. So, you know, like you said, as far as the customization goes, you know, if someone's not creating a whole new document for you from scratch and walking you through that, giving you the good legal advice and, you know, allowing you to make informed decisions and to make informed decisions, someone has to coach you, someone has to teach you. So that's what I highly recommend. So one of the things that I like to do, going back to the education we just talked about, I have a couple workshops coming up in the next week about estate planning. It goes over some basics, and it will go over these pieces that are necessary for an estate plan, among other things. I have one on March the 8th at 7 p.m. It's going to be at the Westchester campus of Indiana Wesleyan University. And then I also have a second one on Saturday, March 11th at 10 a.m., and that's going to be at the Spring Hill Suites Marriott in the Fairfield Forest Park area. To get more information and to register for one of these workshops, Text the word estate, E-S-T-A-T-E, to 
888-888-888. And you will get an immediate response from me with a link to register for one of those two workshops. If you're not feeling like using the smartphone or texting is not your thing, you want to go old-fashioned, you can pick up the phone, give me a call, 513-463-6789. You can also visit us online at www.cincinnatiestateplan.com. Again, these are the ways to get in touch with Nick Rosenbauer from Rosenbauer Law Office. You can text the word estate, E-S-T-A-T-E, estate. Text that to the number 555-888. Click on the link and you'll see all the information about those upcoming uh, classes that Nick is going to have about estate planning and uh, giving you more great information just like what you've gotten on the show today. Great stories, great information about how to better prepare for your not only financial future, but now we're talking about estate planning and some of these really important decisions and uh, really enjoy the information today about healthcare power of attorneys, what it means to have a living will, that property power of attorney, how important that is, and the other facts that Nick outlined for So text the word estate, E-S-T-A-T-E, text the word estate to the number 555-888 and click on that link and fill out the information and you'll get everything you need to know about those upcoming classes and more information about Nick and his team at the Rosenbauer Law Office. You can also call if you don't have a smartphone and you want more information on those classes or on an opportunity to come in and meet with Nick, 513-463-6789 is the phone number. That's 513-463-6789. And as always, online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Doesn't get any easier than that, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Well, Nick, thanks as always for the time and uh, for joining us on the show today. And uh, we'll look forward to more great estate planning information in the future. Absolutely, Walt. Thanks for having me. Thank you as well. That's Nick Rosenbauer of Rosenbauer Law Office. More coming up on today's show. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle. Dan Capril back in the studio next. If planning for retirement is puzzling to you, keep listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. We'll clear up some of the confusion. Lurking in the shadows and hiding in every investable asset, there is no escaping from... Tales from the Tax Side with Dan Cabril. Well, here on Solving the Financial Puzzle, it's time now for Tales from the Tax Side. This is the part of the show each week where Dan gives us a great story from the tax world, and we'll try to apply it to our everyday lives in some way, shape, or form. Dan, what's this week's story? Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the IRS, but specifically... We're going to talk about the fact that in there was a time when your tax return was a matter of public record. So, as you may recall, during the election, uh, there was a big issue. Donald Trump refused to release his tax returns, and I don't think he'll ever release them now that he's. Um, no, I missed that re- whole. I missed that whole controversy. You missed that whole part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, I actually applauded it because to me that's a matter of privacy. But nonetheless, it was traditional that presidents would do that. However, there was at time a law in place that actually made it, you were required uh, to have it public. Tax collectors actually had to put that up. And so if you were, uh, for example, if you were a Vanderbilt or a Henry Ford or whatever the case might be, you know, just to give like, for example, this goes, now this goes back to the early 1920s. John D. Rockefeller, he paid uh, $6.2 million in taxes that year. Now, keep this in mind, that's indexed for inflation. Today, he would have paid $89 million. That's a significant amount of money. 
he was the highest payer by far. After that, you had um, Henry Ford and his son, Etzel. There was even a, a, on this list, this law was only in, in, in place for a couple of years. They even had a um, girl who was a, a tobacco heiress. She paid $252,000 in taxes. So there's always a speculation, you know, whether or not wealthy people pay tax and wealthy people do pay taxes. They pay a lot in taxes. Now, because capital gain taxes get taxed at a lower rate than income tax, which is available to everybody, very often super wealthy people pay a lower percentage of their income. But in terms of real dollars, they definitely do pay. The, the issue I have always had about tax planning is that I see a lot of people who get very concerned that if they're going to be proactive about minimizing their taxes, and this is particularly true with business owners, there becomes this real concern that they're going to get, they're going to be vulnerable for an audit. And it's understandable. Nobody wants to go through an audit. Um, now, I will tell you statistically, the percentages of going through an audit are very, very small, and they seem to be getting smaller all the time. If you're a small business owner, if you operate as a sole proprietorship, just by switching from a small proprietorship to a limited liability corporation, you can dramatically reduce the chances of getting audited. The IRS typically goes after sole proprietors because they're concerned that they're not reporting all of their income. A lot of sole proprietors get paid cash only, and so it's a lot easier for you to hide income. Uh, if you're an LLC, there's a little bit more complexity involved, and therefore you're less likely to break the law, and they're going to, you know, so therefore they're not all that concerned about you, um, you know, not paying it. But understand this. The tax laws are set up in a, as a way for you to reduce your taxes. There are steps that you can proactively take. So example, if you're a business owner, you can legally put your children on the payroll. And by putting them on the payroll, they are allowed to earn a certain amount of money completely tax-free. If they're minors, you can still control where that money goes. That money can go towards their college. In essence, what you've done is you've created a tax-deductible, tax-free college fund. I'll give you another one. If you own your own business, your business can lease your house from you. And it's completely tax-free. So for example, Imagine you're going to have a meeting with your employees. You could choose to have it at a, a local hotel and you could rent a conference room there and pay several hundred dollars, maybe even a couple thousand dollars there for the food and everything else. Or you could choose to have it at your house. Now, if you have it at your house, your business would pay rent to you personally. So you would be deducting it at the business level. And so you wouldn't pay tax on that, obviously, at the business level. And then as an individual, you would receive that money tax-free. You can do that 14 days a year. Now, if you have, for example, if you have a, a piece of property that's in, a, in an area where people like to travel to, you know, I always think like if we ever had the Super Bowl here in Cincinnati, a lot of people would be able to rent their homes completely tax-free. The code is just full of a lot of suggestions. And what I want to encourage our listeners to understand is that this is that time of year now where people are sitting down and they're, they're gathering all of their tax information to do tax filing. But that's not what we should be doing, really. I mean, we have to file, don't get me wrong. But what we really should be spending much more energy on is tax planning. What are the proactive steps that we can take now to dramatically reduce our taxes in the future? Because if we don't do that, we're just going to pay more and more going forward. So, you know, we, we see that what the taxes are that these famous people have. And, you know, it, it's easy to, to even fall into a sense of class envy. You know, these people have, they pay more in tax than many of us earn. All right, I get that, all right? But please, accept the reality. Forget what the politicians say. The wealthier pay more in tax. 
What you need to do is focus on you. What you need to do is take the proactive steps that you can take to minimize them. If you own your own business, I can almost guarantee you there are things that you can do that you're not doing. And if you don't own your own business, I almost guarantee you that there are steps you can take now to dramatically reduce your taxes during retirement. But too often, we don't think long-term. We just think in the moment. To help you with this, to give you some ideas on some of the things that you can do to proactively reduce your taxes, maybe not today, but maybe 15, 20 years from now when you really want them to be low, get a copy of our Retirement Rescue Toolkit. Now, this toolkit is a box of information dedicated to showing you the steps you can take to reducing your taxes and ultimately get a tax-free retirement. There's a book, there's an audio CD, you're also going to be enrolled into an online course, three-part online course that I teach uh, that you can watch at your leisure called Diffusing the Ticking Tax Time Bomb. So to get these materials, really good stuff, text the word RETIRE to 555-888. Again, the word RETIRE to 555 And when you do that, you're going to get a response back from me. you got to click on the link that I'm sending back to your smartphone. And then you got to enter the information. If you don't enter the information, I have no idea who to mail it to. You can also go to quizdan.com, click on the big green button right there. It says Quiz Dan. Just tell us what you want. Tell us where to ship it. We'll send it out to you. Or give our office a call. 844-QUIZ-DAN is the number. If you do it tonight, you're going to be you know, recording. Make sure you leave all your information, including your email address, because in order to send you the online course, we need your email address. So important time of the year. I, I keep talking about this a lot this time of the year because now we're gathering our data. We're looking at the damage from last year. We have to pay our taxes. Let's make 2017 the year that you dramatically reduce those taxes. Let's make this the year that you take proactive steps to, in the future, have a tax-free retirement. Here's what you need to do again to get that Retirement Rescue Toolkit from Dan Capril and his team at Matson and Capril. Text the word RETIRE to the number 555-888. Again, text RETIRE to the number 555 888. Click on the link, fill out your information, and we'll get the toolkit on its way to you. And if you don't have a smartphone, just simply call 844-QUIZ-DAN. That's 844-QUIZ-DAN. Dan, thanks so much for the time on this week's show and for all the help. We'll look forward to another great show next week. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you next week. That's Dan Caprell, your local wealth coach right here in Cincinnati, serving you in all the surrounding areas as well. Certified financial planner. Call him at 844-QUIZ-DAN or get that toolkit by texting the word RETIRE to the number 555-888. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week on Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.